Welcome back to another episode of Tooth and Claw. Today, we unleashed the beast. That's right, Jeff finally is taking the lead on one of our main release episodes, and we thought, what better episode for Jeff to take the lead for the first time on than the tragic tale of Harambe? And uh, just a quick tease, you all are going to want to stick around for the cage match category because Wes really went all out when uh, talking about gorillas, especially when it comes to a fight between a gorilla and a grizzly bear. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Let's go. Okay, Tooth and Claw. We're back. How we doing? We're doing good. Oh, we're doing great. You guys are looking good. Hey, you too, Mike. I'll say that. Yeah, I really like your beard right now, Mike. Me too. Oh, thanks. Did you have your hair cut professionally, Mike? Me? No. No, no. This is another hack job. That's a self-cut. Mike cuts his own hair yeah. for like the last 10 years. I think that's your best work yet, though. You think? Yeah. I like the little <laughs> Danish boy looks. Yeah, I, I really like the, that. The curtain, the curtain <laughs> bangs. Dutch. You cut. Yeah. Um, I do miss that. Or the sideswipe, like, emo. <laughs> the sideswipe. Yeah, like. that was bad. So just in case this is anyone's first time, this is Tooth and Claw. We're Jeff, Wes, and Mike. Wes is a wildlife biologist, and me and Mike are sometimes funny. Yep. <laughs> don't don't oversell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. If this is your first time listening... The whole point of this podcast is to teach you about wildlife through these wildlife attacks, but give you the confidence that you need to go out and enjoy the great outdoors without being afraid of wildlife and being able to appreciate them because you know what you would do if you came into an encounter with one. And just to learn that generally these encounters are the result of a human being doing something wrong. Not always, but generally. So before we get started, I've been going to yoga a lot nice. recently i go like every other day hot yoga mm-hmm. and like it's the only thing that makes me sweat but i swear like <laughs> my mat just makes the loudest and like funniest fart noises of anyone's <laughs> mat in class and like <laughs> i don't fart but like my like sweaty back suction makes the yeah. loudest fart yeah. noises all that's the great time. do you remember that jackass skit where they go, he goes to yoga, uh, Johnny Knoxville goes to a yoga class and he has like a fart machine hidden. And it, That one's like from the show, yeah, right? Yeah, it's from the show. And he just Not does like a ton of stretches and like, is like letting out huge farts every time. <laughs> and it's so stupid and juvenile, but it also just like cracks me up every time. Something about a fart can be so funny. Yeah. Really quick, could I do just like a tiny bit of business? Yeah, just go for really it. Really quickly. And like, if you guys are already on Patreon or know about Patreon, just go ahead and skip forward a couple minutes. But my mom brought up something recently, and I think this is a good point. A lot of people that listen to us might not actually understand what Patreon is, and we keep referencing it, and they don't really know what it is or like how to get to it. So if you are one of those people, how you get Patreon is you just go into the apps part of your phone, download the Patreon app, Open it up, and then just in the search bar in Patreon, just type in Tooth and Claw Podcast, and our Patreon page will come up, and you can sign up in there. So that's how you get it, and then you're going to have a whole app that has all of our bonus episodes in it on your phone, and you can listen to those whenever you want. All of our catalog is in there, so when you sign up to Patreon, you get everything we've put in there since we started our Patreon. Pretty cool. 
I think yeah. the coolest thing about it is how much of a community it is, like how fun everyone is on there and how they're like all kind of friends now. Speaking of Patreon, me and Mike are normally the ones who lead Patreon episodes with the occasional Wes episode. But Wes is always the one doing the main episodes, but today I'm going to step in and tell the story, and Wes is still going to give you the biology of it. But this actually might be a good way to kind of get another taste of what Patreon is similar to, too. This, um, we also agreed this is the perfect story for Jeff to tell. <laughs> yeah, it had to be him. Yeah, with the Super Bowl just happening is the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams. And I listened to some sports podcasts and part of my take got some of the Cincinnati Bengal players to like begrudgingly just go along with them and say that they were going to try to win the Super Bowl for Harambe, who was in Cincinnati. And yeah. then like mainstream media picked it up and just kept saying like, so-and-so says he's going to win the Super Bowl for Harambe, when really it was just like the interviewers made him agree to it. Yeah, But it kind of sparked the whole Harambe thing thing again the Bengals making the Super Bowl a little bit so we're going to talk about gorillas today hell yeah this one's been a long Ooh-hoo. time coming we've been we've been wanting to do a grill episode since the beginning and specifically a Harambe episode so I'm excited me too let's All right. go Jeff so let's go on May 28th 2016 Michelle Gregg was enjoying a nice day at the zoo with her four children she had three daughters and a son ages seven four three and one so how do you guys feel about the time of year late may that's one of my favorite Uh, times of year you got all a summer ahead of you it's getting really warm things are really green it's such like a positive happy time of year for me because i'm just like man there's so much fun stuff in the next few months to do yeah i'm with wes it's one of the times i just like being outside you Mike, disagree, you Mike? don't go outside, so maybe you just no, don't know what that is. No, I, I like the, the May flowers that spring showers bring, so I appreciate that time of year. So Michelle decided it'd be a great time to take her family to the zoo. The Cincinnati Zoo, I was looking it up, and they have giraffes, elephants, lions, they have a snow leopard, they have gorilla world, they have Rue Valley, which is kangaroos. Cat Canyon, so they have like some cougars, zebra. This whole penguins. episode is just going to be Jeff listing off animals. That this <laughs> is so yeah, <laughs> what animals would you guys like be most excited to see of the ones I just listed off? I'm into elephants. I the bigger the better is what I always say. I always kind of get oh. bummed out by elephants in zoos. I love zoos. Don't get me wrong, but for whatever reason, elephants kind of always bum me out. I like big cats. Like that's what I'm always most drawn to in zoos. And they had painted dogs, too, West, oh, which cool. you worked with. Uh, yeah. So is the Cincinnati Zoo, I mean, that's like a pretty impressive list of animals. Is it it's a, big a pretty like legitimate? I mean, I, I always hear about the it's, San Diego Zoo and stuff like that. Is the Cincinnati Zoo up it's there? It's not on that level. Okay. But it's, it's a, a good zoo. It, it's really good with research. When I looked up like the top 10 biggest zoos in America, it wasn't on the list as far as like animals. But I think it does do... It's the second oldest zoo okay. in the in the country, too. Oh, wow. So it started in 1873. It's mm-hmm. the second oldest zoo, and they've been like pretty groundbreaking with some of their breeding and captivity of animals. Yeah, oh. they're the number one. Cool. They're the number one gorilla breeder in the world. Right, which yeah. is why Harambe ended up being sent there. They also uh, have Siegfried and Royd's 
white lions. Really? Hopefully this kind of paints everyone a good picture of what this zoo is. It's a big zoo. You see lions, see cheetahs. You see maybe Fiona the hippo's pregnant mom. Probably not quite pregnant yet. But like they're enjoying their time at the zoo, right? Right. So then Gorilla World, like you were saying, Wes, that's a major draw there. They had 11 gorillas. So that's kind of like, I don't know if it's the most popular spot, but it's definitely like one of the top four places you want to go if you're at the Cincinnati Zoo is to go see the gorillas. Sure. So as they're approaching, her three-year-old boy jokingly says, Mom, I'm going to go in with the gorillas. Then her one-year-old distracts her for a few seconds and she loses sight of her three-year-old son. So she begins calling out for him when she then heard the chilling words from an older man saying, there's a child in there. There's a child in there. Whoa. Just imagine like if you're a mother, there's no worse place for your kid to end up. You know, I I mean, there are like the lion enclosure would probably be worse. There's probably like worse than the gorilla or like a tornado. It's just such a middle of a tornado. (laughs) Uh, It's just such a nightmare. Just that your kid disappears for a second and then someone says, hey, there's a kid in the gorilla enclosure. You would just. And actually, I'll talk about it a bit right now. So what it was was just one of those fences where it's like a it's not like barbed wire, but it's three metal wires coming down from the top so anyone could easily fit in between the three metal wires so what he did was squeezed in between them into the bushes and like especially from his level you don't see that there's a big moat separating like where the gorillas are from where you are so he he just thought if he goes through this fence he's in the gorilla enclosure right right? the moat's like a canyon almost the moat was 15 feet but even like a three-year-old i think if you see a 15 foot ledge you're not just going to jump off right but he didn't see it he went through the Uh, bushes and fell through the moat into the water yeah so it sounds like this enclosure was built more to keep the gorillas in than to keep like zoo patrons out right because it seems like three small wires um that sounds like ridiculously easy to get into the gorilla enclosure is that true i mean but you do like i think of a lot of the zoos i've been to and especially gorilla enclosures where a lot of times there's like a big glass window that you can look at them but then there's also a section where there's like a moat like that and really all it ever is is like a wall with those wires at a lot of zoos i've been to From what I remember, it wouldn't be too hard just to, like, jump a wall to get into that, like, outside part of the primate enclosure. Here's the the difference, though, Wes, like, looking at pictures, and they've updated it now. Yeah. It wouldn't be hard for, like, someone who's 12 or older. Yeah. But, like, a three-year-old shouldn't be able to get into an enclosure within, like, four seconds. That's a good point. And that's what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we are going to talk about that more. Okay. So just okay, hold, cool. we'll, we'll get into it. At 3.52 p.m., someone called the police to report that a baby had fallen into the gorilla moat. And this is all coming from the director of the Cincinnati Zoo. So he said that he fell 15 feet and that there's a kid in the water splashing around. Now, at 3.54 p.m., there's more attention around. People are kind of being loud. The kids splashing more, and the gorillas finally take notice that there's a child in the exhibit. 
So he had been in the water for two minutes with the gorillas not noticing him. People above him start making noise. The kid in the water starts making noise. And then the gorillas kind of like figure out that there's someone in their enclosure. At the same time, the zookeepers signal for the gorillas to come inside, something that they do every day. And I should tell, I should have already said this, but it's Harambe and two female gorillas that are in this enclosure. So the two female gorillas follow the command and they go into a separate area where they're like supposed to be fed or like that's just where they're supposed to go when they get that command. But Harambe decided that he wanted to go investigate what had just come into their enclosure. So you have a three-year-old boy with a 450-pound Western lowland gorilla approaching him. And Wes, do you want to explain a little bit of the biology of yeah, what uh, Western lowland gorilla is? Why would is? that be a scary situation, Wes? <laughs> um, this is a good one because I do think, you know, almost everyone out there has a pretty good idea of what a gorilla is and what they look like. This is a very well-known charismatic animal so i don't really have to explain some of the basic stuff like what they it's not like a cassowary where i have to explain what they even look like a really funny thing about gorillas can you guys guess what their what the western lowland gorilla can you guess what their scientific name might be um something hominid i don't know it's gorilla 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 oh that's so that's the that's the scientific name for the western lowland gorilla Another really interesting thing I learned is the name gorilla comes from ancient Greek, and it's this word gorillae, which means a tribe of hairy women. And there was this explorer <laughs> in like 500 BC that mistook a bunch of gorillas for hairy women. And when they came back, he came back from Africa, they like asked him what he saw in Greece or wherever, Carthage, I can't remember where he's from, but they asked him what Carthage? he saw and he said gorillae. And so that's where they got their name. It's from this ancient Greek word, <laughs> meaning a tribe of hairy women. Isn't that just dwarves? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> That's what Gimli says, at least. Oh, yeah, that's true. There are four... Oh, I thought... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I should, probably should have <laughs> a little fun. more clear. So there are four subspecies of gorilla. Uh, Western lowland gorilla is the smallest and also the most widespread. They live in the forest and swamplands of equatorial Africa. That includes the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Republic of the Congo... Angola, Cameroon, the Central African Republic, Equatorial Guinea, and Gabon. So they're the only species of gorilla that's really kept in zoos. Almost all of the other subspecies, when they put them in zoos, they die. So this is really the only one that's been able to do okay in zoos. All right, they're highly sexually dimorphic. Jeff, do you remember what sexual dimorphism is? No. So, Mike, do you remember? Is it the between the male and the females, there's like a significant difference in size? Exactly. That's what, oh, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what it is. So they're really highly sexually dimorphic. The males are much bigger than the females. So an average size for Western lowland gorillas in the wild uh, for males is like 310 pounds and females, it's like 200 pounds. So the males are quite a bit bigger than the females. The largest of them grow to be like 500 pounds and they stand about five and a half feet tall. Everyone pretty much knows what gor gorillas look like. They're black fur. Um, an interesting thing about Western lowland gorillas is they get this reddish patch of fur on their forehead. And then like all gorillas, as the males get older and bigger, 
their hair on their butt and their back starts to gray and get thinner. And that's why they get that name silverback. So that's what happens as they oh, get cool. into like maturity. Oh, so Western lowland gorillas can still be silverback? Yeah. Yeah. Harambe was okay, a silverback. Um, it sounds like he was close to how big they possibly can. You said 450 pounds, Jeff. So that's pretty huge. Yeah. So in the wild, they grow to be 500 pounds. In captivity, they can get up to be like 600 pounds. Oh. Okay. So they yeah, can get they a lot get bigger like in captivity. They eat like roots, fruits, shoots. Uh, bark <laughs> foliage i didn't even realize that all these arrived when i was writing them down uh and even Oops. insects but they're mostly i mean they're almost obligate vegetarians they really don't eat anything that's living like a, an animal aside from insects oh and how much did they like bananas i'm sure they absolutely love them they mostly really? like fruit is their favorite thing to eat oh, okay and fruit and Good. foliage are like their main staples so they're actually not that territorial so ranges of, of family groups will overlap. Uh, they have a really tight family structure and they're incredibly social animals. So family groups generally have one breeding male, which is going to be like a large silverback, three breeding females, and then whatever number of non-breeding females and males. And males will compete really dramatically for breeding rights and they use really large displays of aggression to do that. And it's mostly intimidation. So that's when you see gorillas like beating their chests and baring their teeth and charging at each other and they'll like rip trees up and throw them and stuff. They do these really big displays, but it hardly ever results in actual violence. It's just a display and it's to intimidate other males. Sometimes they will actually fight, but it's not that often. A really interesting thing. So their average family size is about eight members, but they can have up to 30 in a group. But the interesting thing is females will engage in this thing called sexual competition and what it pretty much means is they will just try and have as much sex with the breeding male as possible because as long as they're having sex with him, it precludes the other females from having sex with oh. him. So it makes it more likely for them to pass along their genes and for their offspring to be raised to survive. So even when they're pregnant and like lactating and stuff, they'll just be like boning him as much as possible <laughs> to stop the other ones from having sex with him. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to be a male dominant gorilla (laughs) (laughs) anyway they're very intelligent they regularly use tools they've been taught to use basic sign language Uh, there's a really famous gorilla named coco in like the 70s and 80s i think and she was taught to like know over a thousand sign language symbols and she could even piece together up to eight of them to form a sentence whoa so they they can be really really intelligent animals and that's my basic i saw this clip from a gorilla at the zoo. I don't know what zoo, but someone was going to like throw food to the gorilla and it was signing to them like, I'm not allowed. Don't really? throw me food. Really? Yeah, what, it was really cool. What a discipline. Uh, I was at oh, the, nice. the San Diego Zoo recently and they're feeding the gorillas and the gorilla sat in there and it like pounded its chest and then put its hand up for food and they tossed it to it and he like grabbed it and was just plucking them out of the air and it was so <laughs> human-like. It was crazy. But um, I feel like... They did that when I went there too. Oh, I cool. remember seeing something like that. It was neat. That was like it my was like the highlight of the San Diego exactly. That's it was the highlight for me too. They're such cool animals. I like the idea that ripping trees out of the ground is like a sign that like what if the human world functioned <laughs> like that? If girls just, just really liked guys that <laughs> probably used they probably to be really like the what's the prime minister of Brazil just deforesting oh, the Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Bolsonaro probably really likes that guy. Wes. Yeah. I was researching gorillas and I was reading that they kind of have a bad rep 
as far as like how dangerous they are. Yeah. Big Not time. saying that like they aren't dangerous because go listen to our chimpanzee episode and but that's gorillas a, that's are stronger a than a chimpanzee. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying the animal itself can be dangerous, but they're kind of been villainized a little bit, it sounds like. Like the Frenchman who discovered him, his name was Paul Bialoni du Chalou. <laughs> I don't know, it's French. <laughs> but anyways, he was just saying that he discovered him in Africa and he came back and like reported him as being terrible beasts that only want to kill. Yeah. And then like Hollywood went with King Kong and made it look like, you know, they can just be tears to people. Yeah. I can Is talk that about that a little true? bit. Is that true? Yeah. And I do think we should make a note that like when that dude says he discovered him, there's definitely people that discovered gorillas a long time <laughs> before that dude. They just weren't like European yeah. people. Um, right. Anyway, because they're such an intimidating looking and powerful animal and they have huge canines and they do these really incredible displays of like their power, they can be really intimidating. And I'm sure when this guy saw that and he was charged by a gorilla or whatever happened to him, he was probably like, oh, that's the scariest animal out there, you know? Yeah. But they're not. They're actually really gentle. There's... They're not territorial. They're completely vegetarian. They don't hunt and kill. The thing with chimpanzees is they use violence as communication. Like they will hunt and kill other animals. They do a lot of fighting. They're a very violent species in the wild. And they're pretty unique in that respect among the apes. Gorillas don't do that. They're very peaceful. I know when when a lot of researchers have talked about observing younger gorillas, especially, they see them as almost like human children. They're so docile and gentle. So they're not they're not at all deserving of that reputation. But I do want to say that with a the caveat, they could snap you in two. They are incredibly powerful animals and they totally deserve our respect, but they're not necessarily aggressive or violent. Yeah, they don't seem like they're overly aggressive towards humans. Right. You see these groups, like tour groups, that go into like Rwanda and places to see mountain gorillas or sometimes western lowland gorillas or whatever, and they can get pretty close to them. And the gorillas tolerate them, and they're pretty fine with it. And it's just understanding their behavior and everything. But you can't do that with like a pride of lions. You can't hike dozens of miles into their territory and then get 15 feet away from them without really risking you know, death or like there's, there's just not that many animals that we see as being vicious that you can do that with. And gorillas really aren't that vicious. They, they are pretty docile, smart, intelligent, social animals. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's get back into the story a bit. I'm going to give you a little background on Harambe. Basically Harambe, he was born in Gladys Porter Zoo in Texas And the person who took care of him actually said that he would, like, take him home every day. And it seems like when gorillas were first being introduced into zoos and stuff, that there's a lot of, like, taking him home, taking care of him. But um, he was born in this zoo. He had one full brother and then 12 other half-siblings. And his brother, Makoko, and then three other gorillas all died at the same night from chlorine poisoning. Yeah, right about that. Someone left chlorine tablets too close to a, what was it? Like Like some type of heater or something. And it poisoned four gorillas and they all died. Oh. And then another one died that they didn't know why. One died at birth. So like he ended up with, I don't know, four or five half 
siblings that made it. And then they all stem from the same set of grandparents that were the first gorillas to come to America, right, Wes? Yeah, I think it was some of the first gorillas to come to the U.S., but they were born in the wild. His grandparents were born in the wild and they're captured in the wild and brought to the U.S., which they don't do anymore in zoos. So Harambe, when he was 15, he was put into, he was moved into the Cincinnati Zoo for social reasons so that he could socialize with other lowland gorillas and ones that weren't as closely related to him. Mm-hmm. And they have two females in an enclosure named Chewy and Mara. And he's like approaching sexual maturity, but not quite there. He was born on May 27th, 1999. So he had just turned 17 the day before this incident. But they had him in this pen with two other females so that he could kind of learn how to be an alpha. He didn't have to be with another male. He could kind of learn how to like lead a family. So then Chewie and Mara, the two females, like I was saying, obey orders. They go to where they're supposed to go. But Harambe goes to investigate this three-year-old boy who just fell into the enclosure. I don't know. Did you guys watch the video at all or remember it? Yeah, I um, watched it a bunch of, of the boy. Yeah. So when it first happened, it is kind of crazy how different. Like at first you just like hear about it. And then, like, you didn't see the video and everyone was mad. And then everyone, like, sees Harambe just standing over the child protectively. And everyone is like, he's only trying to protect him. Why did you shoot him? Yeah. But then a video came out where you see Harambe kind of aggressively moving the child by its leg. Yeah. And whipping him around pretty harshly. So that's where... You know, there is a lot of justification. Like, this kid was in real trouble. Right. Harambe wasn't just like, he wasn't treating him like a three-year-old kid should be treated, you yeah. know? He's treating he him like being, a ragdoll. Yeah. You buried the lead a little bit there, though. Did they shot him? <laughs> <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> Spoiler. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so people are above and like the crowd is just growing. And, like, they're getting louder and more frantic. And this is making Harambe more stressed out. And he's, you can see in the video, he's, like, looking up at people. And that's when he starts to really grab the kid and try to move him around. Yeah. And he's just getting confused. But his instinct, everyone, I think, at this point agrees, is still to protect the kid. He's not, like, trying to hurt the child. Yeah, I don't know if I do agree. I'll let you finish the story of what happened to him, and then I'll give you my thoughts on on whether or not I think they made the right decision. But I definitely want to chip in on that. The the zoo director says that he thinks the intent was Harambe was trying to protect him. Mm -hmm. And also Jane Goodell. Goodall. Jane Goodall. Goodall. The the most famous biologist in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Goodell. Yep. Roger Goodell's wife. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and tell the rest of the story. I do have a lot that I want to say about that, but I don't want to get us too off track from the story. Okay. Basically, he's in there with Harambe for about six minutes with Harambe grabbing him, moving him around in the water. And then Harambe takes him out of the moat, more like into the enclosure And there's a picture of him, and he's just kind of standing directly over the boy. And there is a few times where the boy tries to stand up and walk away. And Harambe gently but assertively grabs him and sits him back down. 
there's a kind of a tender moment where after he kind of slashed the boy around a bit, they hold hands. Like the little boy reaches up and holds his hand. But so now they're in the center of the enclosure and a zookeeper is there. He has a rifle. And this is the moment that's been debated about a ton. But he shoots Harambe straight in the head, kills him. And at four o'clock, the boy is rescued. So in total, it took eight minutes. But yeah, pretty crazy story. It is. Can I can I just talk about it a tiny bit? Yes. Yeah. So I definitely don't know more about apes than Jane Goodall. She's one of the like foremost ape researchers in the world. She studied like chimpanzees extensively. She studied a lot of apes. She's an incredibly smart woman. I agree with her that there's a good chance Harambe was trying to protect this kid. But I do know she also said she thinks the zoo did the right thing. And that's what I definitely yeah. think as well. Like, there's a chance that Harambe was trying to protect him. There's also a chance he just viewed him as like a novel toy that had fallen into his enclosure and that he was like a plaything to him, you know? And if that's the case, he could have used him just like any other object in his enclosure. He could have thrown him against the wall. He could have drowned him. He could have slapped him against a tree. There's so many different things that that gorilla could have done in any split second that would have instantly killed that kid. Instantly. And Mm -hmm. as much as I love animals, as much as I think they're the best things on this planet, I don't think the the value of a gorilla's life is larger than the value of a three-year-old boy's life. I just don't. And so I think they definitely made the right decision. And also just on video, having a gorilla killing a three-year-old kid would be terrible for gorillas. It would be. It would be awful for them. I think it could have been really bad for zoos. I think it it was bad for zoos, but I think it could have been 10 times worse. And so I really, I don't think there was any, like we've, we've talked about some zoo stories so far. We talked about one in our last episode where there's like a lot of debate and like whether or not they made the right decision. In my opinion, they 100% made the right decision in this one. There was no other decision to make. If you tranquilize him, it takes minutes for that to go. And in those minutes, he might have been enraged. The second that dart hits him, who knows if he doesn't just smash that kid to smithereens because he's pissed off that he's got a dart in him now. There's just no other option. They had to shoot him. It's terrible. It's awful. He's a really cool gorilla and like... It's one of the most tragic videos out there, I think. He's a he's a handsome gorilla. Yeah. The pictures he are really he's a totally. good looking guy. He would have <laughs> females competing like crazy to have sex <laughs> with him. Yeah. But this is one where I don't feel a lot of, oh man, there's a lot of wiggle room here. They needed to shoot him. It's really sad, but they needed to. Yeah. How many stories of children falling into gorilla enclosures do you guys think I found? Uh probably a bunch. Well, I that, found two others. That was okay. <laughs> like that was the thing we were gonna say when you were talking about like enclosures and whatnot. There's so many people that go to zoos, and like there's just bound to be some kids that fall into these things. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. So yeah, August thirtieth, nineteen eighty-six. A five-year-old Levion Merritt was at the zoo with his family. He had three siblings there. And this is in, sorry, this is in England. Okay. And they went to look at the gorillas and his dad lifted his brother Clint onto his shoulders to get a better look. So then Levin decided to climb up on the wall that was in front of him so that he could get a better look. And he fell 20 feet, cracked his skull and fractured his arm. And a big silverback gorilla walked up to him 
and like you know the people watching kind of the same situation except for not as loud yeah but just not knowing what's gonna happen like this huge gorilla is walking up to this like unconscious boy but the gorilla just like really gently rubbed the boy's back and like stood next to him but never really grabbed him yeah and then when the boy woke up he started crying levin and that got all the gorillas to leave but um it's just crazy like this gorilla is remembered as a hero um i guess that levin was bullied in school for it they like called him tarzan and gorilla boy oh no <laughs> he should be the but coolest kid in school after he that. also said that he, this is like the story he used to impress his wife who's not oh, easy to go. impress Good for him. <laughs> yeah and like he views yombo as a hero and he went and visited him a bunch and there's a big memorial and also in 1996 Brinti Jua was a female gorilla at an Illinois zoo and a three-year-old boy fell 20 feet into her enclosure he fractured his arm and he was unconscious and she put her like baby gorilla on her back mm-hmm. and then went and like cradled him in her arms and like brought him over to the doors of the enclosure so that the zookeepers could grab him. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so like pretty cool. I don't know. In my mind, it's happened before twice and like these girls were trying to like protect the kid. Yeah. But I can see what you're saying where like he also could have viewed him as a toy. I think it helped in these two stories that both kids were unconscious. Yeah. The other boy in the Harambe story, he was like splashing around in the water. He was trying to get away from him. So like, I think there was a lot of different factors that made Harambe act a bit more aggressive. Like the crowd noise was like very loud. But yeah, it's just interesting to me that like I the way I, I don't know I I didn't know that like Harambe wasn't the first time a three year old fell into a gorilla pit. Yeah, you know the way I view it though is like when you hold a really newborn baby, when someone like lets you hold a really newborn baby, you just know like if anything happened to this baby, if I were to drop it or anything or not even hold it right, you could really damage it and injure it or even kill it. And that's the kind of strength they have compared to us. We are truly like Mm -hmm. a child to them is so fragile and all it would take is for Harambe just to like squeeze his hand too tight or something and it kills that kid. And I think with these other gorillas, had they ever picked up those kids like the silverback? I know the female did, but she like immediately delivered them to the keepers. Had the silverback in England picked that one up and carried him around, I think they would have just been waiting for their shot with that one too to put him down because it's just too big of a risk it's they're just too powerful of an animal and even if they're trying to be gentle they could injure you and i again i agree with these these experts that say he was probably protecting him i'm i'm not saying that's not the case but i'm saying there is the possibility that's not the case and that possibility is too dangerous to like let also, that situation at the, proceed. at the Hogo Zoo, they have a baby gorilla there. Right. And, like, I go to the zoo a lot, and I see when the baby interacts with the mom, she's always, like, very gentle, cradles him. And then when the baby interacts with the dad, he's, like, kind of giving him noogies, slapping him away, and, like roughhousing a bit right but you can't do that with a three-year-old human that's what i'm saying is like like, even though our kids are roughly the same size as theirs 
they have denser bones. They have thicker skin. They have all these things that protect them to where they can survive some roughhousing from their dad. We don't have that. It could easily kill a person. It really sucks. It sucks to know that had Harambe just not like picked him up, he probably would have been fine or just gone to his holding enclosure. But um, it sucks. It really does. I wondered if you'd be fine if he just killed him right away. If they wouldn't if the have kid's shot already him. dead, like, yeah. do you still have to kill him? I bet they would have put him down, almost for sure. Really? Yeah. Do you know the name Harambe's from a... It's from a song by Bob Marley's wife, Rita Marley. And it's a song... Yeah. Um, oh, really? <laughs> it's like a... Swa- Harambe's a Swahili term for communal labor. And the song's all about, like, fighting for freedom. So it's kind of... He's kind of like a... Oh, like a communist f- socialist, like, <laughs> freedom yeah, sign. symbol. Harambe's pretty Some cool. Comrade Someone, Harambe. like, won the rights to be his grandfather in Texas. And that's really? why he chose the name oh, that's after cool. that song. Um, so I want to talk about just what could have been done differently now yeah i'm going to show you guys what the fence was like before and after so like if you look at that you can see like it's mainly just bushes separating them from the moat the fence it's there but like a three-year-old kid who's determined is going to get through it yeah that's not much the update of it i feel like it really doesn't change the experience much because the bushes still block that view before anyways oh yeah yeah but like it just makes so much more sense like so not have a space where a kid can crawl through to explain it the first fence it's just pretty much a couple bars with some like um smooth wire going between them and then the the bushes and then the moat so it's really easy for a kid to push through that smooth wire there's just like a couple wires going horizontally and then the second fence is like pretty much like a chain link fence with some wood posting around it And it's not that much higher, so any adult, for sure, and like even most kids, would be able to see over it. But it would definitely stop a kid from just wandering through it. So it's definitely an upgrade. Yeah. I'm going to give a few civilian accounts of what happened, too. So Kimberly Perkins O'Connor told CNN that she heard the three-year-old boy joking with his mother about going into the enclosure's moat. So I guess he did know the moat was there. And then the mother was briefly distracted all of a sudden you heard a splash in the water and the older gentleman started saying there's a child in there this one was really interesting to me Brittany nicely said that she actually tried to prevent it i tried to grab him and i just couldn't get to him fast enough so that tells me like he was moving how fast this happened yeah she saw him go through the fence she tried to grab him and he was just gone yeah I do think when this all happened, there's all these Harambe warriors out there that were like really villainizing his mom. And we've, we have a lot of like family members that are young. My niece is three right now. They can move fast and you turn around for a second and they can be gone and you don't expect them to be able to get into these enclosures at the zoo. So I don't blame her. I really don't. I think she... Me neither. You know, she, for a second, lost sight of her kid, and he ended up in the gorilla enclosure, and that just shouldn't happen. And, like, with the zoo, they had gorillas in that enclosure with that fence for 40-something years, and, like, nothing ever happened. It's like the tiger. So, like, they thought it was fine. It's like our Amore Tiger episode. It's a situation where, like, I just don't think we really have to blame someone I agree. too hard if you're going to blame anyone i would blame the zoo for not having a better fence and it was interesting 
the director, uh, he brought up, so he said, any of us could climb over barriers if we choose. As I said, you can uh, lock your car, lock your house, but if someone wants to get in, they can. He cited the incident last week in Chile where a man with a suicide note in his pocket stripped down and broke into the lion closure at the Santiago Zoo Santiago. where he was mauled before two animals were shot dead. So, like, he brought up that, like, people can get into the enclosures. It's a but bit it's of like, a stretch. A three-year-old shouldn't be yeah, able to, exactly. you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> within yeah. seconds. There's a big difference between a determined adult to get into an enclosure and a kid literally stumbling into one. There's a difference there. I But I agree with you, Jeff. I think it's like, it's one of those things where there's no real sense in pointing a lot of fingers because it's a freak accident. It's really sad that it happened. It's sad that Harambe died. Um, I think if anyone did have some guilt, it is the zoo. But I don't think it was like gross negligence either. You know, I just think it was like they they had a fault that they didn't know about. And unfortunately, it was exposed in a really bad way. But luckily, it was an animal that died and not a person. I want to say like, I first want to just recognize that you know more about animals than me. You know more about this than me. People should maybe value your opinion on it more than mine. Yeah. But I kind of feel like they didn't need to kill him. People were yelling. That's when he did fling the kid around a little bit. But once he had moved up, like he was just standing over him. Yeah. And like, I don't think there was much risk of Harambe killing the little boy. And like, there's a risk like the guy could shoot the boy. Like he totally. was standing right over him. So like, yeah. I just don't know. It was a pretty know, clear like, shot that he had though. And they're trained for that. I mean, as a zookeeper. Yeah. I wouldn't miss that shot. You wouldn't miss that shot. It's like yeah, 20 but yards. Like, I don't think a high Harambe rifle. would kill the boy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Neither do like, I. I think it's a really small percent chance that they would accidentally shoot the kid. But I also think it's a really small percent chance that once Harambe got the kid to a safer spot, I just don't think he was going to kill him. We don't disagree in that. I totally agree with you that I think it's like a 95% chance that Harambe wasn't going to hurt this kid at all. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is that an animal that powerful... And that has that ability to kill an, a kid that quickly. Like if it was an animal where it's going to take a while for him to kill the kid and it's very unlikely that he would, I don't think they're shooting it. But the fact that it's a male silverback gorilla that's powerful enough, it could literally snap his neck with like a, a wrist flip. You just can't take that risk. Like you can't accept that 5% risk that he could do it because then your zoo might get shut down gorillas in captivity might be like it might be this big controversial thing after that there might be hatred for gorillas in the wild even it can have really like long-reaching cascading effects that are much worse than one gorilla dying and i personally think the chances of harambe killing that kid are far greater than like the zookeeper that knows how to like fire his gun and is good with it missing a shot from like 20 yards at a huge gorilla's head that's sitting completely still i guess what I was saying is there's a chance you don't kill the gorilla right away if you shoot it. Yeah. And, like, he's standing over the kid. Maybe that causes him to act more aggressively as he's dying than he would have. Yeah. I just think, like, with a high-powered rifle shot to the head, you're pretty confident it's going to kill him instantly. And they have trained mm -hmm. for that. Like, that's what these zookeepers train for. They know what they're doing. They had three options in my mind. 
they could tranquilize him, which I think is the worst option out of all of them. Yeah, they because could... then you have five minutes of a groggy gorilla that's not acting normal. Right. They could leave him there and just hope that he leaves the kid alone and they can like corral him and get the kid to safety, which would probably take a little while to even get him to safety if the gorillas are still in the enclosure, or they shoot him. And I think where he's holding the kid and he's holding him in the water and dragging him around and being as careless as it looked like he was being with him, they made the right decision. All he would have had to do is like hold his hand on that kid's head for a little bit when he was in the moat and that kid's dead. I don't know. Mike, what do you think? So what I think is that I I agree that shooting the gorilla was the right idea because even if, and it sounds like Harambe wasn't exhibiting truly violent or aggressive behavior, but again, just like a quick slip of the wrist, like you said, or just completely by accident, he could have held the kid underwater or snapped his neck by shaking him a little bit. I I just think that... You got to make a snap reaction in that instant. And yeah, you don't have time to think it over. And again, like it, it sucks and it's really sad. And I'm actually really glad because this did turn into kind of a moment for gorillas. And yeah, I think gorillas in a lot of people's mind really grew in their estimation. And I know for, for me, it kind of did. Like I didn't really get in on the whole dicks out for Harambe movement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it did kind of make me think like, oh man, that's sucks like gorillas are super cool yeah yeah my last my last point that i want to make because we could talk about this for hours and i'm not trying to say there's less inherent value to an animal in captivity to one in the wild but this was a captive animal it's not reducing population in the wild to kill him it's really sad it's a gorilla that a lot of people loved it sucks but i think there's a big difference between the decision to like shoot him in this kind of situation as like compared to if someone were like on a tour in the jungle and a gorilla grabbed their kid by the foot and dragged him off a little bit, then I think it's like, no, you're putting yourself into their space and their habitat. And then, you know, that's like a risk you have to take as a person. But I think at a zoo, you have to protect that human life. You just do. And it's, it's tragic, but that's just what happened. Yeah. Like you said, we could go on for a while researching it before I researched it. Honestly, that was kind of my mindset. But as I researched it and found the other stories, yeah, like I did kind of change to like, you know what? I kind of wish they would have just waited it out a little longer. And I think like he would have been okay. Uh, maybe, but like you guys said, it did have a lot of positive, like some, there was a good silver lining to the story in which it brought, a lot of attention to gorillas and like it actually i think helped cincinnati zoo quite a bit everyone knows where the cincinnati yeah. zoo is now and like i was looking at zoos on instagram and like i was saying it is a big zoo but it's not in the top 10 biggest right it's the second biggest in like followers on oh instagram. nice and I think a lot of it's because of this. Yeah. I know they had to like shut their social media down for a while because all it was was Harambe comments yeah. for like the first two months. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's get into like the aftermath of it all a little bit because it was kind of crazy. I asked you guys to bring your favorite Harambe meme. Yeah. So do you guys have one? <laughs> yeah, I got mine. Mine, I like, I'm like Mike, I didn't really get into like all the memes and stuff. I actually, yeah. when all the Harambe stuff was going on, I was getting, I was happy that everyone was interested in gorillas, 
but I was getting really tired of all the memes and like how long that went on for. I feel like that was also <laughs> me one too, of the, but now I kind of think it's funny. Me too. And it also, it makes me nostalgic for that time when like yeah. things weren't cr- as crazy as they are now and we could all like focus on a gorilla for two months or however long it was. And now it's just like every day there's something terrible happening. I feel like this was like the first meme that just really got like completely overused. Like ran into the ground, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my favorite is, you know that cartoon of Arthur where he like clenches his fist and yeah. they use it in tons of memes? It's that yeah. one, but they like have they've superimposed a actual gorilla fist clenching onto his fist. So it's like cartoon Arthur with the gorilla fist and it's it's clenched and a top like a, on top of it the caption says when a kid gets in your enclosure. So I really <laughs> like that one. That one actually made me laugh out loud when I saw it. So that's my pick. I don't know what it is about that stupid Arthur meme, but it's just so funny to me. It's yeah, just like was, a fist. I don't want to keep going. The best was when LeBron did it with like no context. Mood. Yeah. yeah. So my favorite meme was I tried to find this again, um, and it's a little irreverent, so forgive me if this offends, but uh it's a Jedi ghost harambe okay. appearing to Anakin, and he's telling Anakin to go slay all the younglings in to get revenge. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's really fun. If I can't find it again, maybe I'll just make it and claim it as my own. It's the internet. That's what happens. I like that one a lot. So mine is, there's this gorilla at the window of its enclosure, and it's flipping off a two-year-old girl, (laughs) and then the meme says, get out of here before you get me shot. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. And then I had another quick one where it's just like the Trump hat, Uh but it says, make Harambe alive again. that's a movement i can get behind (laughs) that's um and then i actually read some like so there's reports that harambe got fifteen thousand votes for president after he died yeah um (laughs) a lot of write-ins for harambe a lot of them didn't count and there's like other articles saying like no you didn't actually get fifteen thousand, but a lot of people did write harambe That says a lot about and our candidates. <laughs> a lot of people in Australia actually voted for Harambe for their politician, too. Huh. And someone told uh, this reporter in Australia, they asked, why are you voting for Harambe? And worst bloke, so that's like their Instagram handle, replied, this election has no one with the courage and prowess and status of Harambe. He died for our sins and will return. I love him. <laughs> it was so uh, it was so weird how intense people got about Harambe. I read also so there was like the whole dicks out for Harambe yeah. thing that became really popular. Our friend, mainly my friend, but Todd got really into that one. But what do you mean he got was really like, into it? <laughs> he just he always had his dick like, out. <laughs> he just thought it was funny. Yeah, know, I mean. Uh, he didn't get really into it. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the Harambe story. Cool. And then we had the two other ones. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any questions or anything else you want to add to it? I don't think so. I think this would be an interesting one for people that follow us on Instagram or Patreon to when we post this, like, let us know what you guys think. Like, let us know if you think they made the right decision or not the like any feelings you have about Harambe's story 
because I do think it's really interesting to see what people's opinions are and what their opinions are after we've told the story. Let us know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of valid opinions with it. I do too. I think what you're saying is true, but I also kind of believe what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. So now that the story's over, let's let's do ouchies for this story. Yeah. I think for Harambe, it's a 10 ouchie. (laughs) I don't. Okay. He died right away. He did die really quickly. That's true. For this kid, I don't know, like two ouchies, three ouchies? What do you think? (laughs) I don't know. He fell 15 feet. Yeah. That's pretty decent. The other two kids, like, cracked a skull and they both broke their arms yeah this kid was like kind of rubber he yeah. just like kind of bounced up and was flashing around so yeah i'll go two i'm gonna say two ouchies <laughs> i'll say two ouchies for the three-year-old and six for harambe sure because death I sucks but say, there's worse ways to go i should say too he went he was like taken to the hospital right after and had all he had was like some scratches okay he oh. didn't have any okay Major injuries, no broken bones, nothing. All right. So two, we'll say two for the kid and six or seven for Harambe. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's fair. All right. Let's give him seven. All right. So let's get into categories. Cool. Let's start with pop culture. Okay. So we're going to do favorite pop culture gorilla. Cool. Can I go first? Yeah. All right. Mine are the weird like kind of mutant gorillas from the movie Congo. That oh, came dude. out in like... <laughs> yeah. The 90s. Yeah. Uh, those like Amazing movie. weird kind of silvery colored ones that live in the old temple of Jin or Jin or whatever it was called. Zin, I think. Anyways, I had like a Congo computer game on my PC in like 95. There was like a, a problem solving game and it was really scary. And I just love those those scary gorillas. I love when they throw a, a dude's brain at him at the beginning of the movie. That's great. <laughs> I was reading Daniel Radcliffe was saying like if he could be involved with any movie in history, he'd want to be in Congo. <laughs> it's an amazing. <laughs> I need to rewatch Congo. It's a good one because I guess there's like a lot of like weird background. Tim stuff Curry's going in that movie, in that isn't movie. he? Yeah, Tim Curry. Think, yeah, that's a fun um, movie. I forget at the end. Does a gorilla get his hands on a laser gun? Yeah. There's a laser gun <laughs> happening somewhere. They I make think a laser gun like... out of the diamonds from the That's diamond right. mine. That was the whole reason they wanted the lasers. And there's like a gorilla that knows sign language and it like kills. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy <laughs> I got it. We got to have a watch party on that. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite Donkey Kong gorilla. <laughs> shoot. Spoiled. <laughs> um, so it's Donkey Kong. But I also I need to give a shout out to the band <laughs> Gorillas. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, Demon Days, Plastic Beach, to the all-time classic. Damon Alburn, it's so good. Those are. I don't even know if those are technically gorillas. I think Russ on the drums is a gorilla, but the rest yeah. of them just kind of look like monkeys. I kind of want to just go with a Wild Boys skit from the spinoff of Jackass. But there's one skit where they're like dressed up as bananas and they're like in a colony of gorillas just dancing in front of them. (laughs) And I don't know, that one made me laugh so hard when I first saw it. So I'm going to go with that one. I'll give a shout out to Mighty Joe Young, the Disney movie. movie. (laughs) That's probably not a good movie, but yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. (laughs) I thought for sure when you guys would pick King Kong, but I'm kind of pleasantly surprised. King Kong. Yeah. I thought, yeah, King Kong. And then I liked the gorilla in the first Planet of Apes in the reboot. Okay. Hideaki Sirachi, the uh, gorilla sensei from Gintama. That's a little niche reference for all y'all anime heads out there. All right. I have a quick new category of, 
<laughs> so like is a three-year-old kid kids do stupid things crawling into a gorilla pit is pretty stupid so i just wanted you guys to say like one of the stupidest things you can think of a kid doing I'll go first. So the dumbest thing, I don't know if this is the dumbest thing, but the most memorable dumb thing a kid has ever done in my presence was my sister, who had to have been like five at the time, four or five. She tried to ride our dog like a horse and just immediately fell off and sprained her wrist. So that was pretty dumb, Chrissy. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you go next. I'm still trying Uh, to think. I'm just going to do the internet video of the kid who's like pouring himself juice where he like places the cup on the ground and then he like spills juice all over the floor and gets like a little bit in the cup and then he like goes back to the fridge to put the juice away and then he goes back to the cup and like slips and knocks off the juice (laughs) like the little bit of juice he landed in the cup he knocks out so I'm just going to go with that video. That's a good one. So the one I had thought of while we were talking about this was one really similar to that, and it's just recency bias, but me and Jesse watched like an hour of Phil videos the other day, and there's this kid who like his dad gave him milk to pour on his cereal, and he just like poured it all on the ground and like completely missed his cereal, (laughs) and I was just like, man, what a dumb little kid. But the other one I just thought of, and it's not really even a dumb kid, so this doesn't count, but I'm still going to say it. One of my favorite videos ever is that kid who like is running by the big outdoor pool and his mom is like, what do you have in your hands? And he goes, a knife. And then she's like, no. (laughs) And she chases him down. I can just watch that video over and over and over again. But running with a knife is dumb. Let's go to cage match. Cool. We've done cage match since pretty much the beginning of this podcast. This is the most time I've ever personally put into a cage match. I kid you not. I put like five or six hours into like researching this cage match because as a bear biologist the question i get more than any other question when it comes to like bear fights like what animal could they fight is bear versus gorilla constantly gets brought up we constantly get asked it by like followers and people that listen to the podcast and i really have always kind of been on the fence and so i wanted to do a really deep dive into which animal would win in this fight so we're for this cage match for this one all we're talking about is grizzly bear versus gorilla we're not even going to talk about our other animals we're just doing a head to head matchup a title fight this is like Let's go. a big one yeah i'm excited okay so i wanted to break this down and i want to let you guys know i did my absolute best on this one to only use peer reviewed research for my research And I'm going to let you know when I didn't have it, because I do think it's important to know that for this, for this really important topic. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. So first things first, if we're talking about a fight between the biggest grizzly bear in existence and the biggest gorilla in existence, it is 100% the grizzly bear that's going to win. I shouldn't say 100%, but they are by far the favorite. Nine times out of 10. Yeah, because the biggest grizzly bears get upwards of 1,500 pounds, and the biggest gorillas are like 600 pounds. So just by weight alone, it's going to be the grizzly bear. It's going to beat the gorilla if you're looking at biggest versus biggest. So what I did instead is I took average size. So our average size brown bear for all the subspecies around the world is 478 pounds for males, and 335 pounds for females. The average weight for all gorilla subspecies across the range in Africa 
is 350 pounds for males and 200 pounds for females. So bears have a slight advantage in weight, but I don't think it's like a landslide and I don't think it's a done deal based on weight for averages. Moving on, bite force. We've talked about bite force a lot on this show. We've argued even a little bit about how bite force is measured and and whether or not it's important. There's two ways to look at bite force. You can look at bite force quotient, which is adjusted for size. You're taking into, into account the mass of the animal, or you can just look at the actual force that's exerted by the canines in the bite. And that's what we're gonna look at for each of these animals because we already talked about size. We're just gonna look at their actual force that they can exert when they bite. And we're gonna talk about Newtons, which is a little bit harder to understand, but <laughs> Newtons is what they usually use in these papers because it's an actual measurement of force. So Good. I'm really nerding out on this. Sorry. <laughs> Newtons. Um, yes. Grizzly bears yeah, have that's a where we know you did your research. <laughs> grizzly bears have a maximum force of nine hundred and eighty five newtons. Um, it was like 700 and something with a confidence interval of like 200 something. So I took the upper side of that confidence interval. So their maximum force is 985 newtons. The articles I found with gorillas, which were much more sparse, said that they might have up to 1693 newtons. So almost twice as much bite force in a gorilla compared to a bear. I think that's important because the way these animals are winning this fight is by crushing bone, breaking skulls doing that kind of thing. Okay, weapons. Both animals have some impressive canines. They're essentially the same size. They're canines that can grow to two to three inches in length. There's some research that suggests that maybe primate canines are a little bit stronger than those of carnivores like bears, and maybe a little bit less prone to breakage. But I think they're pretty similar as far as breakage Aren't goes. bears a little sharper though? No. Actually, uh, it's probably the opposite. I'd say gorillas probably have a bit sharper canines, but it really depends on where they live and what they're eating. Mm. So grizzly bears do have claws that are two to three inches long, and they have those really strong muscles in their hump and in their forearm that put a lot of power behind those claws and behind their paws. They pack a really strong punch, but unlike popular opinion, they mostly kill with their teeth, not so much with their paws and claws, but they are a good weapon. So that's a point for grizzly bears. Gorillas really just have fingernails. They don't have any kind of claws or anything that would really do any damage. They have really strong hands, but we're going to talk about strength here in a second. Okay, strength. Quick disclaimer. When you're talking about these things in biology, there's some inherent sexism. They always talk about how it compares to men and men's strength. And unfortunately, that's where like most of the stuff that I collected, that's all it talks about. We're also talking about really sexually dimorphic animals where the males are stronger than the females. So that's just what we're talking about. I'm sorry that that sexism is part of this conversation, but it is. So I'm, I'm just wanted to make that disclaimer. No, I think we should just do like the biggest of both species. Right. And that's sometimes and, that might be the female, but this time it's the male. In this case, it's the males. On average, they're bigger. We are going to talk about the females though really quickly at the end. So in testing, it was shown, and these tests were kind of pseudoscience tests. This wasn't like peer-reviewed tests, but it showed on average grizzly bears are roughly 3.75 times stronger than an average human male, and they can lift weights up to 1,100 pounds. 
There's anecdotal stories of grizzly bears like flipping dumpsters that weigh 700 pounds like they're a beach ball and picking up rocks that weigh like 600 pounds to look for moths underneath. Vin Um, Diesel could do that. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm using pounds. I'm sorry to all you guys that use kilograms and stuff. You're just going to have to do those conversions on your own. I'm sorry. On the other hand, gorillas have been said to be able to lift weight up to 4,000 pounds and can be up to 10 times stronger than the average human man. There's anecdotal stories of grizzlies ripping banana trees out of the ground in a rage. Gorillas. Did I say gorillas? You said grizzlies. Okay. There's anecdotal stories of gorillas ripping banana trees out of the ground when they're in a rage, like it's just nothing. There's stories of them bending steel bars when they're in in zoos. And there's stories of them pulling like steel out of the enclosure, just like ripping steel out of the wall and stuff. So I think based on all that... Oh, go ahead. That question we just got... About like what animal we choose as our bodyguard. I'm changing it to gorilla yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Based on all that, I think that's really pseudosciencey. All these experiments, but I do think we can probably give the strength category to gorillas. They do seem like they're a bit stronger than the average grizzly bear. A couple more little things. Bone density is an important thing to talk about because again, they're winning these fights by like crushing skulls and breaking bones, breaking backs, that sort of thing. They have pretty similar bone density from what I could find. I couldn't find any really great information on that, but it is denser bone than we have. Uh, protection. Grizzly bears have really thick fur. They have really thick skin, and they have like a couple inches of fat that protect their organs and muscle and whatnot. Gorillas do have thick skin, but they don't have that fat layer, and their skin isn't quite as thick as a grizzly's, and neither is their fur. So they're not quite as well protected as a grizzly bear would be. Speed, grizzly bears can run about 35 miles per hour. Gorillas top out at like 20 miles per hour. Gorillas are very smart. They can use tools. They can throw tools. They can throw rocks. They're much more dexterous. They can climb. Um, So they definitely have that edge. As far as intelligence goes, I don't think it's a big factor. I think if you had like multiple grizzlies fighting multiple gorillas, then it matters because there's like a coordination strategy then and some other things that come into play. But if it's just a cage match where the two are fighting, I think instincts and aggression is much more important than intelligence. Right. So I wanted to talk about that really quickly. We're almost done. So aggression and experience. Grizzly bears are a much more aggressive animal than gorillas. Their natural behavior involves a lot more fighting, hunting, killing. Um, A grizzly bear has this innate instinct and behavior to be able to fight and subdue prey. They fight a lot amongst themselves, and when they fight, there's actual violence usually. It's not just display and intimidation. Gorillas do fight amongst each other. Those fights can sometimes turn violent, but it's often just intimidation like we talked about. So based on all of that, all of that information, I think... I would probably still give grizzlies a slight edge. And that's based on the fact that they have the protection built in because I think this really comes down to just a fight of how many blows they can trade before one finally goes down. And I think in those blows, the grizzly bear is doing a lot of damage with its claws. And I think if either of them can really get their teeth into each other, that could end the fight. But I think there's a lot of just slapping back and forth first. The grizzly bear is taking less damage as it's getting hit and it's doling out more damage as it's hitting. I think if they're wrestling, like if they're tussling, the gorilla probably has a bit of an advantage. But I think overall, if I were a betting man, which I am, 
I would put my money on the grizzly bear, but I do think it's a very tight, very close fight. Yeah, I think that's our most interesting matchup yeah. yet. And like, there's not many animals that like once a grizzly bear gets on top of it, the animal could maybe get it off. Right. But like, a gorilla, gorillas are so strong, it might be able <laughs> yeah. to like push it off and get up yeah. again. I really think uh, it could go either way. But I'm, I'm going to edge yeah. out with Grizzly. Your results match mine, Wes. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay. I did a smash third match party. between smash. Banjo and Donkey Kong, and oh. Banjo won pretty easily best two out of three. His grenades just were too much for Donkey I'm Kong. I'm taking <laughs> Grizzly Bear unless it's Harambe. I think Harambe could have got him. Yeah. Well, Harambe fights with the strength of the entire country behind him. I want to real quick champ. just throw a few of our other animals at Gorilla for you. Just like, you don't need to go in depth on it. Okay. Uh, So Moose? Uh, I'm picking Gorilla. Polar Bear? Polar Bear. Okay. And then Black Bear, it's Gorilla. gorilla. I think the big cats are interesting. I think like yeah, a like lion a or a tiger in a gorilla fight, I'm probably giving it to the big cat, but I think it's close. Mm. Jaguar, Gorilla? Probably the Gorilla. But I do think it's close in those fights. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Should we All do right. what would Mike and Jeff do really quick? Yeah. All right. Oh shoot. Um, yeah. So if we were the three-year-old or what? Yeah. What are you doing? No. If you're let's just say kid? if we fall in, what do we do? Okay. Yeah. I fall into a gorilla den. Yep. Grill enclosure. Yeah. I don't know. I said den. So I mean, I'm an alpha, so I'm just gonna assert dominance over him. Okay. It shouldn't be too hard. All right. <laughs> just Mike. go up. He beats his chest. I'll beat my chest yeah. right back at him. You know, that's a good plan. He comes at me, I'll come at him harder. So I just need to learn a couple of signs in sign language and say, like, I'm just, that was a mistake. My fault. I don't want to hurt you. Don't hurt me. We'll it's solve good, this real quick. It's a good answer. I don't know how many signs that would take to say, but I'll learn those real quick. Okay. Really quick, what I learned about gorillas and, and gorilla encounters is pretty much the opposite of what Jeff's doing. <laughs> so if you. If you happen to encounter a girl in the wild, and who knows, in captivity, maybe a dominance thing would work, and every once in a while in the wild, it might too, but what these people say that work with gorillas and that take people out to see gorillas is that, first and foremost, this is an animal you don't want to maintain eye contact with. Um, they do see that as a direct threat and a challenge, so when you're out observing gorillas, you don't ever directly lock eyes with them especially with the big males don't they say to not even like smile at them or show your teeth yeah like you just wanna... you just you don't show your teeth exactly if you show your teeth again that's you like saying i'm dominant look how big my teeth are you don't want to do that another thing is if the gorilla gets close like if it charges at you what you do is you divert your eyes and you walk away slowly and deliberately you don't run this is another animal you just don't run from they see that as a threat they'll run you down and they'll be aggressive. So never run. If it gets really close during its charge, you can crouch down and look as small and non-threatening as possible. And that's just being really submissive and showing the gorilla that you're not a threat and that it's like he's you're not alpha. challenging him. Yep, he's in charge. You're not in charge. And that neutralizes that situation almost immediately. Finally, if a gorilla is acting aggressive with you, a couple other things. You can pretend to be another gorilla, like picking leaves and acting, <laughs> acting disinterested to them can really <laughs> yeah. disarm them. I like that. And then like the most important thing is if you do have the chance to be around gorillas, whether you fall into their enclosure or you're out in the wild, maintaining your distance, like giving them at least 20 feet 
and which is really close still. Like if you get to go see gorillas in the wild, you get to get pretty close to them, but give them some distance because you approaching them very closely again is another act of aggression. So it's all about being submissive and letting the big male silverback know that you're not a threat. He's really the only one you have to worry about. Oh, I forgot really quick with the, with the cage match. Uh, I'll just say it now. If it is a female versus female, the bear has a really big advantage because female gorillas are really submissive, not very aggressive or anything. And female grizzlies aren't very different from males in their level of aggression. Their canines are just as long and female gorillas have really short canines. So it's definitely the female grizzly bear. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Wes, with the cage match too, I want to bring up. So Mike Tyson said that he went to the New York Zoo and saw a (laughs) gorilla, like, bossing the other gorillas around. I know this story. And he offered the zookeeper $10,000 to let him go into the enclosure and knock the gorilla's ass out. Who wins in a cage match, Mike Tyson or a gorilla? If it was a male, like, if it was a silverback... 100% 100% the, the gorilla. If 10 a, times out of 10. If it was a female, it might have just like seen him as... Best boxer dominant. of all time. Strongest punch ever. 10 times out of 10. Mike Tyson. 10 times out of 10. 10, the silverback gorilla wins that fight. For the what would we do type thing too, uh-huh. one thing I want to bring up was just... I think it would have been good had people like backed up from viewing the yeah, enclosure definitely. and like not made been noise. quieter mm-hmm. i think once it started getting more frantic he started to panic a bit yeah so like it would have been great had someone like backed everyone up away because the crowd seemed to get pretty big and pretty chaotic yeah perfect let's do some listener questions mike you want to do the two patreon questions oh yeah so since jeff took storytelling duties i selected a couple of lucky patrons um so we're gonna start lucky because we're answering all their questions in some form or another well yeah lucky in as much as i chose them as worthy questions to ask while i'm leading the category lucky so james has this question Wes mentioned on a different episode a turtle and then a frog in the pond behind his childhood home were huge influences on his career and getting into conservation. Were there other animals in that pond or anywhere around it that were just as interesting or influential to you? Tell us about this magical place. (laughs) Like in that story, the frogs were so influential because they died out. And I got to, I like witnessed a local extinction of a species and it really clicked that conservation switch for me where I was like oh wow this can happen so that's what the story was and so the frog was definitely the 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 northern leopard frog was like the thing that was most influential but I loved everything about those ponds like turtles frogs snakes anything I could find there was amazing There was like beavers fish like everything so it was a magical place, but the frogs were the most influential. Turtles were... Re- what type of turtle are they? Western painted turtle. Yeah, they They're had like, the coolest bellies. Yeah, they have a carapace that's just like... Oh, wait, that's not their carapace. Is it their carapace? I can't remember no now. No knows what a carapace Shell? Is. The bottom part of their shell. They're like their <laughs> ventral... The bottom... I, I'm using bad words. The bottom part of their shell is really brightly colored. It's beautiful. Their belly. Yeah. Red it's and not yellow and black. What is it called? Do turtles like belly rubs? Uh, no, actually they do have nerves in their shell and like, it can be really sensitive. So you don't really want to mess with it too much. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should stop doing that then. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they might like them if you're just, if you're doing it just right. Okay. So this is from beavers question for everyone. If you had to get a tattoo tomorrow, what would it be? And where would you put it? 
Follow-up question, if you could pick a tattoo for the other two to get, what would it be and where? It's Plastron. The bottom's a Plastron, the top's a carapace. Okay. A tattoo for ourselves and a tattoo for the other people? Yeah. I'd have us all just get Harambe in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where? Or maybe Mike gets a baby Harambe, Wes gets a live Harambe, and I get Harambe in heaven. Yeah, I like I that think idea. It'd be funny to have like Mike get Poe, me get Tay, and you to get Toes. Potatoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be super funny. If I'd I got my tat- own, oh, go ahead. I'd get a tattoo of Jeff's face on my face so I could look like Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, dude. I, if I'm getting my own tattoo, I think I'm settled on my first tattoo being a whale shark, just because I think they're I'd visually really good. I think I'd get. I have these little books my mom gave me about the clan Geddes. It's like our Scottish ancestry for our family, and they have this cool little crest with a pike's head on it. And I, okay. that'd be something Family I think would crest. be pretty cool. Is, well, we yeah. know some cool tattoo artists now that have done some cool work for us already. And I think they would be great options for tattoos. So if anyone yeah. out there needs tattoos, look up Justice and Randy. Justice, Randy. And we're running a little long, but I want to do two listener questions real quick. Uh, BB from the Shire asks, favorite taco spot in each of your to-go or, or go-to orders? Mine's in Salt Lake well, it's probably in Mexico, but in Salt Lake, I really like a place called Chunga's. I just love pastor with pineapple. Mine's oh, in yeah. Guerrero Negro, Mexico, and it's a uh, it's um, um, what's the what's the pork called again? The like ground up pork. Shoot, why am I not remembering this? Chorizo. Yeah, it's a chorizo. It's like a flour tortilla. It's a queso taco with chorizo, and it's like so good. I could eat them every day. That's my favorite. Mike, uh, my favorite is Lucha Libre in San Diego. They have, if you call far enough in advance, you can reserve the little wrestling ring seating option so you can eat your surf and turf and tacos and stuff in a little like roped off wrestling arena. It's so cool. You love (laughs) that gimmick. I love it. (laughs) I won't go there. All right. And then from Carol Balling, what is the superior dog breed? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Oh, man. I'm getting into like genetics and stuff. Eugenics. The cutest dog I think I've ever seen is the puppy in John Wick. And ever since I saw that puppy, I've been really into beagles. My big thing is just like rescues. I don't really care what breed as long as it's a rescue. And I like mixed breeds. Like I like a mutt. Good for you. I think mutts Hmm. are like have the best temperament and they're just the cutest. And Bryce is a mutt. So I I like mixed breed mutts. Rescues. I like German Shepherds. They have some weird hip issues going on. Some weird like selective breeding problems, but... Yeah, German Shepherds are just the coolest dogs to me. Cool. All right. Oh, wait, so I got one more question I wanted uh, to ask you guys. We got a ton of people writing in about this. Okay. They want you, as in you, uh, Larson family, to post the recipe for the Huckleberry Pie, the Larson family Huckleberry Pie. Is we'll that, post it. Is that we'll post secret? it only to Patreon. Eh, it's not that good anyways. <laughs> yeah. Do you like it? No, dude, I hate it. <laughs> So let's finish off with uh, how are we messing things up for him? Yeah. Maybe apart from shooting them in Zeus. Yeah, serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I did a lot. I did a, well, not a lot, but a little bit of research into, into conservation. I was specifically looking at Western lowland gorillas. But in the 80s, there was thought to be about 100,000 total gorillas in the wild. A discovery in 2007 found that there was like, I think it was either 2006 or 2007, found 125,000 gorillas in like a lowland swamp that they didn't know were there. 
So it like doubled the existing estimate of how many That's girls awesome. were oh, wow. left in the wild. <laughs> but today numbers are still really hard to come by. They are doing a little bit better. It's estimated there's up to 300,000 Western lowland gorillas in the wild. They are the most plentiful of all the gorillas. They are still considered critically endangered, and that's because their numbers decreased by about 60% in the last 20 to 25 years. So there used to be a lot more gorillas, a lot more. It is weird that they're critically endangered when there's that big of a population. Yeah, it's mostly because the threats that they're faced by are really imminent and really bad. Deforestation in equatorial Africa is happening at a really scary rate. And then there's also um, some pretty intense bushmeat trade for gorillas. So people poaching them to sell for their meat, which is pretty crazy. Like who would eat a gorilla? But I guess bushmeat, it's, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, it's just gorillas weird to think about eating trees out. It's weird to it think seems, about. <laughs> it seems weird for us to think to about, think about, about eating, eating a, gorilla. a gorilla. But culturally, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's more normal. Yeah other places anyway they're also really susceptible to outbreaks from diseases like ebola and ebola outbreaks have actually wiped out whole subpopulations of gorillas or populations of gorillas they reproduce really slowly females have a short window for breeding and then they become infertile and then they're really actually incredibly important because they're ecosystem engineers which means they're they're like seed dispersers. They eat so many different types of fruit and plants, and then they poop out those seeds and they spread them throughout the forest that they're really important to those forests, to their regeneration, to their growth. And when you kill gorillas and then you're also deforesting at the same time, you can actually make that entire ecosystem collapse just by doing those two things. So they're really, really important. I wonder how similar it is to eat a gorilla to like eating a person. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Jeff's going to think about that for a while, I guess. <laughs> I was reading that they get AIDS too. Yeah, th- like there's a lot of, of a diseases problem. that we get that are... A lot of them get AIDS. I'm not sure about that. And it might have started you. from gorillas, Westland gorillas, like... Because it did start in pri- Western lowland gorillas. <laughs> it did start with primates, yeah. and they were saying it might have started with gorillas. Yeah. There's a pretty decent percentage that have AIDS. Huh. I'll have to look into I that. I don't want to like say that for sure because I don't know that. But there are a lot of threats. Deforestation, habitat loss, poaching, disease outbreak. There's a lot of things facing them, and that's why they're listed as critically endangered. Some of the other subspecies are just considered endangered. But they're in trouble, um, and recovery takes a long time with them because they're such slow reproducers. So yeah, that's conservation. There are some silver linings, like the fact that we just found a ton of them. But that's that's what I wanted to say about their conservation. So I love gorillas. They're one of when I go see them in a zoo. Like that's one of the highlights of going to a zoo is seeing a gorilla. So for me. I do feel like a real affinity for them. Oh, we should do our claw rating. Oh yeah, yeah. So for me, they're. I would say they're a nine claw animal. I'm giving them nine claws. Me too. I just love watching gorillas do whatever. I think they're super funny, but also like super impressive all at the same time. Uh, yeah, they're great. No, I'm going ten for the kind of what Mike was saying. Like, I think the baby gorillas are just the cutest. They are, and then like. <laughs> A big male gorilla is just so impressive to look at. They're so fun to watch. I'm ranking them 14 on my favorite animals list. And I just really like gorillas a lot. Okay. Well, Jeff, great job doing the research for that story. I know like we've had a lot of people ask about Arambe for a while, so I'm glad we finally got to him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We kind of, we cranked out some hits recently. We did Night of the Grizzlies 
and then our news episode and now right into Harambe. I mean, this is like quite the stretch for us. Yeah. But my next one will probably be like crabs or something boring <laughs> just because we don't, <laughs> <There> we <go. laughs> don't want to give you guys all the best stuff all at once. We just want to give you crabs. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, you know, dicks out for Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never. I Love guess. you guys. Love everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.